This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. And welcome to the show. It is uh, Sunday afternoon, so we're ready to uh, get it happening. We hope you are as well. Feel free to uh, call through and uh, voice your concerns. Get in on the conversation with myself and Leah. She will be doing all the uh, the heavy lifting here tonight. Got a bunch of things to get through, some emails as well. But as we uh, like to pepper in the phone calls from you, it makes the show all that much better. You bring it to life. So uh, feel free to grab that phone now, 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. Uh, Leah, of course, part of Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed employment law firm in Canada. You can check that out and back up what i just said so there you go anytime you want to do some research on your own either during the show or afterwards pocketemploymentlawyer.ca free absolutely anonymous and uh, within that is the severance pay calculator which we've uh, talked about for several years but you can use it for yourself anytime you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca but a couple issues right off the hop uh, leah what you got going on today pal Yeah, we've got a lot that we want to cover this week, and that's going to start with this first topic, which is a big one, and I can probably take up the whole show talking about it, and that's employment and social media and specifically how one can influence the other. Um, You know, this has sort of recently been brought to my attention because of the, you know, I have a couple choice words for what happened in the United States two weeks ago, but you know, yeah. there's been a lot of fallout from the individuals who um, who stormed the Capitol, and there have been a lot of questions about what can happen when somebody um, is caught on social media doing something that the company doesn't agree with, and what that can mean for the employment relationship. And you know, I, we've this has been something that's been going on for a while, right? I mean, cancel culture is alive and well, and it seems like every week there is a story about someone saying something online and then you know shortly after it's been retweeted a million times and they're fired and we've been getting a lot of questions about this um you know and it's something that i've sort of been continuing to sort of keep my finger on the pulse of because it's very interesting as it relates to employment law and the main question that continues to come up is can someone be terminated for something they post online? Some right. Can someone be terminated for what is essentially off-duty conduct, right? Uh, any of the individuals who uh, were at the Capitol on that day, you know, that is off-duty conduct. Is it fair for someone to be terminated for, uh, for off-duty conduct? And the short answer from a legal perspective is yes. And, you know, John, we talk about this, I think every week we have some reason to say this, but it's it's always worth repeating. And that is that you can be terminated for any single reason your employer can think of, as long as it's mm. not discriminatory. And yeah. that certainly can include what you post online, what you do in your off hours, government buildings you might storm. Uh, but the key here, of course, is that in those cases, and in many cases, you'd be entitled to severance. It's only when you're terminated for cause that we really consider what the reason for your termination is. Because in that case, the employer is trying to terminate you with no severance whatsoever. And in my view, I think it would be really difficult to terminate someone for cause without any notice for something that you do in your off hours or for something that you post 
online. Um, it, save and except for one example, specifically from the, the storming of the Capitol that I'm going to bring up in a minute. But for yeah. the most part, the, the bar for cause termination is very, very high. Uh, a for cause termination is called you know, the capital punishment of the employment relationship. And so the employer has to be able to show that the employee acted in such a way so as to make the continuation of the employment relationship impossible. Uh, you know, so the most obvious examples of that are stealing directly from the employer, violence in the workplace, fraud, the big ones, right? So you can also be terminated for consistently poor performance uh, or insubordination. Uh, and with these lesser offenses, you generally need to have a history of these offenses with a history of discipline and warnings. And the employer has to make it clear what the standards are, what they're sort of expecting of you and have given you a, an appropriate chance to improve. The bar to show cause may be lower if you are in a position of trust with your employer. So, right. you know, an executive or a manager. But if this exists, you know, or if you commit one act that is particularly bad, uh, like theft or fraud, an employer can terminate you immediately without paying you any severance. Of course, you as an employee can always challenge this as a wrongful dismissal. And the employer will then have to defend it by showing that that employee acted in such a way so as to repudiate the employment relationship and that it therefore had a legally justifiable reason to terminate. So when we're looking at, you know, off-duty conduct and social media, what might count as a legally justifiable reason to terminate for cause? And, and I'm thinking specifically, I don't know if you saw this, John, the individual, one of the individuals who was part of the, um, of the insurrection, he was wearing a, uh, a badge from that had his employer's name on it. Like I, it was almost nice. like he was on his lunch break and yeah. stormed the Capitol instead of getting a sandwich. Um, and he was wearing, um, you know, he was photographed and put all over the internet with a badge that clearly indicated who he was employed by. And, you know, in that case, I still think that the bar for cause is going to be quite high. But in that sort of situation, you've got an individual who is clearly tied to the employer um, in a situation that is garnering a lot of international condemnation. It's the same reason why you doing something from your personal vehicle is going to be viewed differently as you doing something on your off-duty time from the company truck that has company right. labels all over it. You know, and, and John, we've spoken about this a bunch too, about how you are in a, a bad position as a public yep. figure who is automatically associated with, with the radio station. You know, if you um, can make a link between you and the employer in the context of this off-duty contact or uh, the, uh, the context of your social media post, then you might be making it easier for your employer to terminate you for cause. Um, you know, if you're also contravening a, a direct company policy with respect to social media use, that can expose you to discipline and an eventual termination for cause. And of course, you know, if you write something false and defamatory uh, and you name names about your company, uh, that is something that could also get you terminated for cause. But, you know, other than that, and, you know, the, the information that a lot of these stories are missing is that you don't need 
to give your employer a legally justifiable reason to terminate right. you for cause in order to get fired for something that you do post online. And this is particularly important these days when a lot of issues are politicized, um, a lot of issues are deeply, deeply heated, and you have many corporations looking to sort of get on one side or the other. And so, you know, if you've got an employee who is on social media or doing something in their spare time that the employer doesn't agree with, even if that connection can't be made, that might just be reason for them to say, you know what, this isn't a good fit. I find this offensive and you can be terminated. Simple as that. You're going to be owed severance, but you're also going to be out of a job. This is perfectly allowed, perfectly legitimate. And it's why I always encourage employees to, you know, consider what you put on social media. Because if an employer doesn't like what you're doing or what you're saying, or I guess more to the point, if they think that other people aren't going to like what you're doing or saying, you could be terminated and you probably will. As long as the reason for your termination isn't discriminatory in and of itself, you can always be terminated regardless of your seniority, performance, or position. Yeah, that was always, and I was going to bring that up, but you did cover it, as opposed to, you know, a guy being one of 600 people in a warehouse back somewhere, you know, he's not really in the public eye, but someone like, you know, myself or you who's who's on TV and radio and the media, I mean, it's, you're held to a little bit of a higher threshold when it comes to doing stupid stuff and putting your name and your business out there. So, I mean, I would, I would imagine that would be worse for someone in, in our position to do that. But, I mean, not that we really have to worry about it up here in Canada and B.C., Ontario and, in, you know, and the West as well. But down in the States, it's employment at will. So these guys would probably, I would imagine, if any of those yahoos got sacked, they're probably getting very little severance anyway. I mean, they don't have they don't have the robust employment laws we have up here, correct? Yeah, that's very true. I mean, some states are at will, some aren't. Um, but you still have this sort of idea that um, you know, these individuals can be terminated anytime for any reason. And so, you know, I think people who aren't even publicly associated with their companies and it's it's scary actually i've never even turned my mind to john that i might now be in that category thanks a uh -huh. lot i guess i better go scour <laughs> my facebook profile so, but you know, even if you're not publicly associated with your company, it's just something that you want to really, really be mindful of. Um, you know, I think you even have a lot of people posting about COVID and vaccines and, yep. you know, vaccinations have become such a political issue. Uh, and, you know, I think you've got a lot of companies who are going to, uh, want to distance themselves from certain stances on these hot button issues. And welcome back to the show. It is uh, 418. You have lots of time to call through here and ask your questions. That number, you know, it's 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. You want to use that uh, anytime. You can send us along an email, and uh, we'll try to get to that during the uh, the hour of the show. If not, I know Leah goes through them afterwards and uh, gets back to each one. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. I want to get to that as we get a, uh, our first call of the afternoon lined up here. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. Now let's get right into these. Uh, Leah, first one is this. Uh, when an employer resorts to a termination for cause much too soon, we call that pulling the trigger before they really should, right? 
<laughs> oh yeah, jump in the gun, any yeah. such thing. Um, you know, this is this is a topic that I find really interesting, and I, I just want to be clear that you know the ones that we're going over, the five situations that we're going over, they certainly aren't the only situations that trigger employment law disputes, right? And so anything that's sort of giving you pause or you know you're get, making your spotty senses tingle, that's definitely a situation where you should contact a lawyer. But there are certain situations that are almost invariably trigger an employment law dispute and sort of make it almost uh, impossible for you to uh, for you to do anything other than contact legal counsel. Um, and, you know, we can certainly, John, if you'd like to maybe jump to a call, we can get into the first one uh, after we take the first question. You bet we sure will. And I'm uh, going to flip over to uh, Liz. Hey, Liz, thanks for standing by. Good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing very well. I just wanted Excellent. to make a comment about the Stanley Cup riots here in Vancouver, where they, um, where a lot of people were caught on video doing terrible things and they lost their jobs. And I think they deserved it. I mean, the, what happened at the Bay and, and the L London Drugs, I think every one of them should have lost their job. And it took them a couple of years to get everybody, but they did. And I was thankful because they all deserved to, you know, have their day in court of course but uh no we've got to get on these people that are doing these things and i don't care if it's you know how anyone feels i just feel that they did right by going after them yeah liz the uh, 2011 cup riots i mean i know you're you're of the opinion that they you know got to go after these people and uh, you know deserve to lose their jobs leo what do you think i mean it's again it goes back to your week that was it really it's really in a fine filter whether that actually happens or not. I think most people would watch that on TV and say, "Yeah, you know what? You're out there being a complete DB. You deserve to uh, you deserve to lose your gig, especially if you're representing with a T-shirt or anything on." But I mean, it doesn't just work that simply, does it? Still there, Leah? Or we we still got her? I, I just I just came back on, but I pretty much missed everything. Sorry. Okay. I, Sorry. Somehow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lost the connection. No problem. Liz basically saying, you know, what happened during the 2011, uh, you know, cop riots. It's like, you know, the hell with them. They were vandalizing, causing all kinds of, of crap. A lot of DBs out on the road and the streets doing bad oh, yeah. things. They deserve to lose their gig. And I know that's that's a knee jerk reaction. Most of us feel that way, but from a legal standpoint, as you said, it's just not that simple, is it? I mean, it is and it isn't, right? I mean, if yeah. if you had a bunch of people in, uh, if you had a bunch of companies who, particularly if they were in Vancouver-based and had their own, you know, storefronts defaced and had windows broken, you know, they might feel particularly disinclined to uh, to keep on hiring somebody who shows up on their newsfeed as a face that was part of those riots. And yeah. in that case, you know, it really is that simple for any just like it would be in any other situation if your employee shows up one day and you don't like the way that they have conduct themselves in the workplace outside of the workplace if you don't like the sweater they're wearing if you just don't like their face you know that is a situation where you can terminate them and your only responsibility in that situation will be to provide them with severance and and so yes particularly when you're about to engage in any sort of mob-like riotous behavior i would really strongly encourage you to you know definitely take off your employee uniform and maybe think twice about engaging in it at all uh certainly 
Yeah, and we've often said the same thing about, uh, you know, laying a blast out on social media as well in the same regard rather than, you know, walking with a placard down the street is like grabbing a keyboard and doing the same thing. You know, if you're, if you're going to post something, type it, look at it, walk away, go grab a tea, come back and read it again and say, you know what, I don't know, I can't, I'm not even, my job was never a risk, but how many times I've, I've read something online that just got me ticked right off and I was going to put a response on, decided to go have a coffee, come back and thought, hey, you know what? It's really not worth my time. I'm not going to bother doing it because it could have, you know, could have made things worse. So I think that's also a good idea too when it comes to your job, right? Oh, definitely. I mean, and the placard, walking outside with a placard is a great way of of picturing it. If you would not put this on a sign and wear it outside of your building, your like your work building, don't put it on social media. Everyone uh, thinks, I think, that they're just, you know, they're just inside of their own echo chamber, right? And they're just speaking to their friends and family who follow them. But the thing about Twitter, and I can't tell you how many times I've seen this over the last couple of weeks, is that you have somebody say, uh, you know, some nobody, so to speak, and their tweet goes viral because they just had something really interesting to say and they said it in a very succinct or clever way and it explodes. These things have a way of just snowballing in a way that you just don't, you can't ever possibly predict in the end. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I just assume everything that you put online is going to be seen by your employer. You know, I know that sort of takes the fun out of it and maybe you can't huh. be as much of a, you know, you don't, you can't respond in the same sort of angry way that you want to, yeah. but it, it's for the best when you consider your own reputation. You just have to think about the fact now that, you know, not even just from your current, the, the, the perspective of your current employment, but future employment, because every company that hires people now take a look at somebody's online profile, right? Take, yeah. they all, all take a look at what somebody's doing on Facebook, what somebody's doing at Twitter. And so, you know, that is one of the key ways in which a company will assess whether or not your corporate values or sorry, your values align with their corporate ones. The number 604-280-9898 to make that phone call this afternoon like Liz did. Uh, call in, have an opinion, ask a question. That's why Lee is here to do that, whether it's about your job or COVID-19, being laid off, all that stuff, you know, CERB or what was CERB and the new benefit. Feel free. If there's any confusion, call us for, uh, 604-280-9898. In the meantime, uh, situations that trigger employment law disputes. Next one is this. Um, when an employer tries to call somebody an independent contractor to save money. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't think that I was able to touch on the first one. So I just want to touch on that one really quick okay. before we yep. go on to the, the second. The first one being that when an employer resorts to a termination for cause much too soon. Um, and the reason why I, I want to make sure that we cover this one today is because it's just such an important one. And you know, I say when an employer resorts to a termination for cause much too soon and not if because an employer almost always resorts to a termination for cause much too soon. Um, like I said in at the very beginning of the show, uh, you know, the termination for cause is viewed as the capital punishment of the employment relationship. And so the bar to prove that from a legal perspective is really, really, really high. So, you know, when you've got one incident that gives rise to a termination uh, for cause, you've often got an employer who acts in the heat of the moment, right? It's emotional, they're angry, and they just go, they go, you know, what is the thing that I can do that's going to hurt them the most in return? And they terminate for cause. Even if the event itself, even if the action by the employee itself was enough to do it, you that doesn't mean that the termination for cause 
if it happens too soon and there's no investigation and you don't give that person a chance to respond or to tell their side of the story, that can still sewer an employer. And it, you almost invariably see a situation when an employer terminates for cause too soon, when they're trying to terminate somebody for cause on the basis of performance or on the basis yeah. of uh, of insubordination because you just need a, a, a huge file, a stack that's about an inch or two thick of the warnings that you have given these employees, of the chances that you've given them to improve, um, you know, and, and that needs to be very well papered, very well documented before you're going to be in a position where you can legally terminate somebody for cause and defend it. All right, got a couple of minutes before we break, so we'll start on this one. Like I said, uh, trying to call somebody an independent contractor to save money. That's a n- nice little trick. Yes, it is. And it is a trick. And that's such an, a good way of characterizing it because I think that's why a lot of employers suggest it. You, you know, you'll have a lot of companies come to you and say, you know, if we classify you as an independent contractor, this, these will have all these tax breaks for you and you can write your phone bill off and all this stuff. But, you know, be wary because, you know, an employer is not often going to suggest something solely for your benefit, right? I mean, they that could be a factor, but they've got a stake in this too. There's there's a reason why they are agreeing to let you do this. And the reason in this case is because if somebody is a true contractor, then they're not subject to the minimum provincial standards under the Employment Standards Act. So mm-hmm. they don't have to pay you stat holiday pay. They don't have to pay you overtime. They don't have to give you breaks. It's a whole host of things that they don't have to provide. And one of the big ones, too, is uh, is termination uh, entitlements, of course, what you're entitled to in the event of severance. But the key here is that just because an employer tries to call you an independent contractor and yep. just even if they get you to agree to that and you both, you know, have T-shirts that say this is an independent contracting relationship, it doesn't actually matter. And that's why that triggers an employment law dispute is because at the end of the day, a court is going to look at what the employment relationship or what the working relationship actually looks like and how it's actually manifest. Um, so, you know, that is commonly a situation that we see give rise to a dispute. And it's the reason why you want to be very clear about your status from the get go. All right, welcome back. 4.33 here to the Employment Law Show. Anytime you want to reach out, uh, you know how to do it. Call us now, 604-280-9898. It is help at uh, employmentlawyer.ca to reach Leo when the show's not on. When we're done, 604-283-3123. It is just that simple. Getting back to our uh, our topic as we go through here and hope to get some more calls lined up, get you on air. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. Now, we, uh, we left uh, into a break talking about independent contractors and employers trying to call somebody that. I mean, uh, you know, if it was just that simple, everybody across this whole country would just have nothing but employment, you know, independent contractors. You're not paying overtime and benefit, all that stuff. Not that simple. But how about those people who are saying, well, you know, it's not just my employer, Leah. I heard you talk about it, but we came to an agreement, myself and my my quote-unquote employer, that I'm an independent contractor. We both like the situation. Is that not different? Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not It's not different at all. Um, and, you know, I think that that is such a big reason why people don't call us. Um for you know of their own uh, of their own sort of understanding that something has gone wrong right it's it's only when they hear this show or they read an article 
or they hear something external to them that says, just because you call yourself an independent contractor doesn't make you one. And they go, wait a second, maybe that could apply to me and maybe I should give somebody a call. And for the record, that is exactly the correct reaction. And if you are in that position, I hope you do give a lawyer a call because it, it's really important. It's not as simple as simply just slapping a label on it. John, as you said, if it was that simple, everybody would do it because an employer relieves themselves of a ton of liability by calling people independent contractors. But you know, the whole point of, of an independent contractor is it's somebody who is not dependent in the same way on an employment relationship as your regular employee is, right? So, you know, the, the thing that I think about as the most common example is like a, a plumber, or, you know, yeah. even better, it, somebody who is a, um, who has a cleaning, a ha cleaning company for, for yep. residential homes, right? If, if you've got somebody who's been coming and cleaning your home for 10 years and you say, you know what? I don't, I I'm done with this. I, I don't need you to clean my home anymore. We're all good. You don't have to pay them severance because you are one of 50, 70, 100 clients that they all have. They are not dependent economically on their relationship with you. Now, if you are a cleaner and you have a some sort of um, you know agreement with a home to be there eight to five every single day, Monday to Friday, you know, cleaning up, following the kids around the house and just cleaning up after them, uh, that sounds like a nightmare job, but if that's your job, <laughs> that all of a sudden becomes a job wherein you are entitled to severance because it's it's all about that dependency. If you are somebody who controls your work, controls the time that you go to and from, you have a say in who your clients are, you have a say in how much you profit, how much you lose, you know, then you are an independent contractor. But if you are largely at the whim of this company, if you are economically dependent on being provided work from this individual or this or this corporation then that is going to be a situation where regardless of what we call you you are going to be entitled to severance and so sorry i've taken up way too long on this one topic but it's just no so it's a good one because it's a good one yeah it, it it is yeah you know because i i find that most of the issues that i find with independent contractor employee disputes is somebody calls me for something completely different and then this sort of comes out in the wash and we unpack this and find this whole other host of employment issues that we then need to tackle. Or like I said, they hear our show or they see a Facebook live or they, or they are, you know, read an article that tells them that maybe it's not the case. It doesn't strike them to be terminated without any severance, um, to be wrong because in their contract, it says you are an independent contractor and you agree that because you have, you know, not been taxed and you've garnered all these benefits from being an independent contractor, we're not going to owe you any severance. And so it feels, okay, well, that's what I agreed to. And so that must be what's right, but it's not right. The law in this case will look behind the curtain. They'll look behind the contract, uh, and determine for itself what you are and what you're entitled to. How about those that are kind of in the middle? I mean, they may have several clients, but there might be one key client that they uh, depend on for, I don't know, 50% of their income, 60% of their income. Wouldn't they qualify as a dependent contractor? And does the severance equation change at that point? 
Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, I mean, this is exactly like the example I just gave about somebody who's mm-hmm. trailing the kids around the house Monday to Friday, right? If, <laughs> if, if, you work, if you work for this one individual Monday to Friday and you work for several other people on the weekends and the person terminates you who's working from Monday to Friday, that individual is going to say, well, look, they have other clients. They decided that they wanted to come here eight to five. They decided, you know, that they wanted to bring their own tools and they've got control of their own uh, of their own profit here. So they're, they're a contractor. But when we're talking about, you know, 70, 80% of what that individual was, was earning, that does form an economic dependency that entitles that individual to notice. And so, yes, I mean, it's, it's hard to, to put, you know, to pin down exactly where that threshold is from a percentage perspective. But I would certainly say that if an individual is earning 70 to 80%, of course, and or more uh, of their income from one contractual relationship, then that could be a situation, uh, most likely is a situation in which that individual is going to be entitled to severance of some kind. Uh, it's even more reason though, why you need to have employment contracts reviewed um, at the outset of an employment relationship. Because gotcha. if you are a contractor, you can actually agree to any amount of notice on termination. So if you are a contractor, even if you're dependent, even if 90% of your income comes from one place, um, if your contract says you're entitled to two days of notice, if they want to sever the employment relationship, that is perfectly legitimate so long as you're actually a contractor. Uh, So really, really critical, no matter what you're calling yourself, to have those contracts reviewed. Let's get another one of these in here before we uh, we take a call. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. When an employee is terminated, oh, right before that bonus is due. Sneaky, sneaky. <laughs> right. Yeah, and you've got, you've got employers sort of doing exactly that. Like, oh, we didn't know. We had no <laughs> idea the bonus was due. This is such, this is such coincidence. Um, but it's, it's not. I mean, you, you have a lot of situations where an employer is going to sit there and say, you know, when they're figuring out when is best to terminate somebody, they say, well, bonuses are due in February, so let's make sure we get rid of John now so we don't have yeah. to owe them their bonus. Uh, number one, they're wrong because uh, your common law severance includes the lost opportunity to earn a bonus. So even if you are terminated a month, two months, even a year before your bonus becomes due, if your common law notice period, so if your severance covers the date on which you are supposed to have been paid that bonus, uh, you are right. entitled to that bonus even if you are not employed there anymore. But additionally, if you can show that that timing was suspect enough that it raises the possibility that the employer may have terminated you precisely to avoid the bonus payment, that can also give rise to a bad faith claim. Because if your employer is just, you know, a bonus is essentially like earned, right? It's something that you've earned, it's something that you're due. And if your employer is trying to deny you that payment, that can be construed as bad faith action on the part of the employer and give rise to additional damages as a result. And welcome back. It is uh, 444 here on the Employment Law Show. When we're uh, done the show, you can reach out to Leah and her team, 604-283-3123, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But here and now, 604-280-9898. Sharon, thank you so much for standing by. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And you? Excellent. What's, uh, what's on your mind? 
Um, just had a really interesting question, uh, only because our family was uh, involved with one of the unscrupulous employers who had uh, our stepson as a contractor when, in fact, he wasn't. And when he got injured on the job site uh, and lost six months' worth of work, uh, the employer basically came back with he had no WCB coverage because he had not self-covered. And I'm just curious whether or not he had any recourse against that employer. So um, has, did your stepson um, apply for income replacement benefits through WorkSafe? I presume he didn't have his own insurance? He did not, no. Uh, he was totally unaware that he even needed to have it. He's an apprentice carpenter. So he's like 20, okay, 21 years old. Hmm. Oh, poor guy. So, I mean, I'm assuming that when you say that he was characterized as a contractor, this is on account of some sort of agreement that said that? Uh, the um, the uh, guy who owns the construction company told him from day one that he was uh, yeah. an independent contractor, although every single hour that he worked was under the direction of that employer to the point that that employer even took him to job sites outside of Canada yeah. and yet um, uh, and fully wow. paid so, for everything. And, and what's his current work status? He's left that company and gone to, uh, based on that event, we were able to convince him that, you know, that guy wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And I hooked him up with another reputable contractor. So he's now working as an employee and actually getting his hours on his apprenticeship. Okay, well, that's good to hear, but we're still talking about, you know, six months that he wasn't paid when he perhaps exactly. ought to have been. And if, right. you know, if there's a gap in insurance that should have been covered by the employer, uh, that's, that's certainly a, a possibility for him to pursue. Um, you know, it, it's, I don't specifically specialize in work safe disputes, but, uh, I do know of a couple of individuals, uh, in the Vancouver area who I would absolutely uh, trust with a dispute of this nature. Uh, and I would certainly recommend that you reach out to them. So please feel free to get into contact with me off the air and I, and I will give you some names so that your stepson can get looked after. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sharon, for your time. Appreciate you calling in that number to reach uh, Leah and her team. Uh, write it down, 604-283-3123 and help at employmentlawyer.ca. Going to move on to uh, to Laura. Hey, Laura, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Good. What's um, on your mind? Well, I just have some information for that caller that just called in about the WorkSafe because we're an employer and we're in the construction industry. And so we've been doing this for 15 years and we actually have to include all of our independent contractors in our WorkSafe premiums and report mm. um, and pay for them. So they all have coverage. The only time that you don't include a subcontractor in your um, WorkSafe is if the subcontractor is incorporated and has its own employees. So if that young man... Um, was an incorporation and had his own employees, then the employer wouldn't include him. But um, if he's just an independent contractor without employees, then he has coverage with WorkSafe. He's absolutely 100% has to be covered by that employer's work. Laura, I, lo I absolutely love this. People helping people. Thank you so much for calling in and, and oh, getting okay. that across to Sharon. I hope that she hears. Yeah, I hope she did too. 
Probably not. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate that. See, that's nice. That's why we do the show, so she knows someone who's had the yeah. experience, right? So there you go. Hope to help that to help Sharon and, and her son for sure. She'll call you pretty much, I guarantee that one. Still got some time here uh, to get to more of your calls, 604-280-9898. Situations that trigger employment law disputes. That's what uh, we're going back to here. And uh, the next one is this. When an employee is let go while on maternity leave, even if it's for legitimate reasons. How about that? Yeah, and the reason why that's going to trigger an employment law dispute is because there is, and it's a misconception, but there is a very commonly shared belief that you can't be terminated while you're on maternity leave. So, uh, or anytime after you announce uh, that you're pregnant, you know, like I, I often joke that it feels like job immortality as soon as you announce to your company that you are pregnant because everybody believes that nothing can be done. And, you know, to be fair, for any employer client of mine who is thinking about terminating somebody who just announced they were pregnant or is on maternity leave, I certainly uh, encourage them not to, uh, to at least consider the optics. But um, that is that is precisely why it triggers an employment law dispute is because of the optics. It's because people, even if it's for legitimate reasons, even if, you know, the business is, uh, is shuttering that particular department, it is going to cause that employee to feel wrong. It is going to cause that employee to say, you know, I, my understanding was that I couldn't be terminated while I was on leave. And in, and in some respects, I mean, that is correct. You know, under the Employment Standards Act in British Columbia, you, uh, uh, maternity leave is a job protected leave. Um, but from a common law perspective, again, uh, you know, it, it's just not a good idea optically from a percep- per, from a perception um, perspective to to do anything while somebody is on a maternity leave, on a sick leave, um, because that is going to cause them to seek out legal counsel and it'll almost certainly result in, in some sort of dispute. Yeah, don't mess with mama. That's what uh, we've been saying on the show, or papa, for years, uh, as we have been. Uh, Last one is this, pal. Situations that trigger employment law disputes, and this one could be the biggest one happening in the last, what, 45, 46 weeks, and that is when an employer lays off employees temporarily. I, I'm impressed you're counting weeks, John. That's, I know. I let my wife that's really, are you just like week. Yeah. <laughs> I could just see you sitting at home, like, Xing out yeah. the days on the calendar one by yeah. one. <laughs> Um, Still but, love you, honey. Yes, yeah, working a, right beside you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Uh, this is uh, this is a, a really, really important one because I mean, it's an important one at any time because of all the misconceptions that surround it, but particularly because of the last <laughs> forty-seven weeks or whatever you've said it was, uh, because temporary layoffs have run. Uh, abound the last year or so uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic. That is how, number one, most employers have chosen to deal with, uh, you know, business closures, temporary or otherwise, uh, with respect to their employees, you know, um, and it's also how our governments, for the most part, across the provinces, have decided how to uh, amend legislation to protect employers. So in BC specifically, you had a lot many employers uh, who were in the difficult position of having to close or have their business reduced, decide to put their employees on a temporary layoff. Um, mm-hmm. A temporary layoff, 
regardless of whether or not it's brought about by the winter season or uh, a downturn in business or a global pandemic is illegal unless that company has explicitly reserved the right to do so. So there was a period in time in March uh, or April um, when there were probably a significant number of employees who could have been in a position at that moment in time to mm -hmm. claim that they had been terminated and to seek their severance because that is ultimately what laying somebody off without the contractual right to do so is. It is a termination of that employment. And think about it because if you just even consider what a temporary layoff is, which is you know telling you to go home and not get paid and not work, that's looks like a termination, doesn't it? Yep. Um, and you know, there's this potential promise of a recall, but there's no guarantee. And so, uh, you know, it was the recall at the time uh, in BC that, and, and I think probably everywhere, that caused a lot of employees to say, "Well, you know what? Everybody's in a hard position right now, so I'm just going to sort of ride this out and and see where this goes." But then you had the government step in and say. Uh, you know, instead of 13 weeks, now you can lay somebody off for 16 weeks. And instead of 16 weeks, now you can lay somebody off for 24 weeks. And if at the end of those 24 weeks, it's still not enough, you can apply to the Employment Standards Branch for a variance to have that extended till December or January Jeez. or June of 2021. Um, and, you know, th there's a lot of discussion as to whether or not you as an employee having agreed to a layoff back in March or April can be construed as your employer as an ongoing continuous agreement to all of these extensions that didn't exist at the time right i am very much of the of the mindset that you know when you agreed to a layoff back in march or april you were agreeing to 13 weeks and at right. the end of those 13 weeks if you weren't recalled you could then get your severance full stop but you know as soon as the employer says, okay, now we're going to have you on for 16 weeks. Now we're going to have you on for 24. Now we're going to have you on for a couple extra months. I think that you as an employee in that situation can say, this is not what I agreed to. And I don't have to agree to this going forward. And now I choose to construe this change, what you are doing as the termination of my employment and seek severance. The reason why this is a situation where an employment lawyer is necessary is because if you do decide to accept a layoff at the beginning, whether in March or any other time, um, you want to make clear to the employer the terms of your agreement. So if you've decided to sort of, you know, take one for the team, play nice in the sandbox and, and give your employer the time that it needs to bounce back, you want to make it clear in writing to your employer that you know, you're 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 willing to kind of sit on the bench for the next 13 right. weeks, but not for for longer than that. Um, gotcha. And, you know, making sure that you're clear on those points is incredibly important um, in terms of uh, of the layoff situation and certainly recommend that you get a lawyer in those particular instances, because that can avoid a larger dispute. Uh, down the line, or you being without income, as many people in Ontario are right now, for uh, well over a year, possibly a year and a half. And that'll do it for another afternoon. Appreciate all your phone calls and uh, some emails. We'll get to them next week if you send one in for sure. In the meantime, you want to uh, reach out to uh, Leah and her team. You can, 604-283-3123 for more of a uh, private, lengthy can. Uh, 
uh, conversation as well. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And anytime you like, you can use it. It's free, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, the website as well. We'll catch you next time, Employment Law Show on CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.